You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and outside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Appreciate you all tuning in as the season is winding down here in Indianapolis. The Colts will travel, yes, no doubt. Thankfully, mercifully, graciously. Uh, That's why we do appreciate you listening, as I said, to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Hopefully we bring you a couple of tidbits, news and notes. Uh, We were were talking about this in the um, just in the press room today is you're getting to the point in the season where with a team that's that's out of it. Like they're, they're, you're running out of things to, to say. You're running out of things to ask. Uh, but but there are still things here and there that are certainly relevant that we want to touch on. We I think we'll bring up draft order here and there. Uh, so some injuries to look look at now and even have, that have happened over the last couple of weeks that that are still. Uh, impacting the team over the next couple of weeks. And uh, so, some former stars for the team that uh, have their names in the news or will have their names in the news, perhaps over the next week or so, that uh, Mike Chappell knows, knows all about or is uh, uh, in the process of learning all about himself. Uh, and, and, and I'll explain that in a minute. But, of course, there's also a game to talk about. I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll briefly mention the New York Giants, whom the Colts uh, take on New Year's Day. We're obligated to do that, aren't we? That, that's that's the word, yes, in the Big Apple. That, well, but that's sort of the reason we have the podcast is to talk about the upcoming opponent, even when we don't care. In, even in matters like this, indeed, uh, there are there are few people who care about at least the matchups and breaking down uh, all that stuff. But but we'll still give it to you anyway, in case you want to be entertained well, see, or informed. Because see, what I've noticed is as the season have gone longer. Joe's rundowns have gotten shorter. That's that, and that's harsh. There, there was a time when I, I printed off like a six-page rundown, and today's is three. That's so, it. So, Joe, I, I feel your pain, buddy. You know, I, I like to think it's uh, shifted a little bit to the recap shows because that's when I get to talk about, uh, you know, a draft order and all that. I've put a little less details into the game previews um, now that the game, the Colts have been officially eliminated. From the playoffs. I mean, I, I know you guys broke it down uh, uh, heavily after after the Monday night debacle against the Chargers, but man, I mean, what what an abysmal offensive performance by the Colts in that game. It was again, brutal. Again, 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 again. The the only thing they thankfully didn't do again is have a defensive fourth quarter collapse like they had in the previous couple games. The defense finally kind of bucked up, stood tall. Defense uh, played well. Yeah, I mean, Justin Herbert didn't look anything impressive to me their touchdowns were nothing to write home about uh my, my favorite thing listening to our post-game locker room interviews is zaire franklin talking about them hitting that quote corny play end quote uh about the uh, the the little gadget play that the chargers ran for some for some solid uh oh, the flea flicker exactly yeah they, he called it a corny play and so that just gave me a, a hearty chuckle listening to him talk about it but but it defense played well uh they they held a, a team that was averaging over 20 points to, to 20 points. They only got them in the end zone twice. Uh, it held them, for the most part, without big plays. Had a couple sacks, had a couple takeaways. I mean, that that's that's everything you want. As we've said throughout this season, Chap, um, I guess the last couple weeks excluded when the defense really did collapse in some of these fourth quarters that uh, that saw other teams come back for wins or extend leads for, for dramatic wins, that, uh, that the defense once again did enough against a high-powered offense and one of the currently uh, solidified in the playoff teams to win a game and the offense just yet again could not match. Yeah. We were talking again in the media room nowadays, you, you, you talk more about 
Boy, if people could be in that media room for those I, discussions. I, yeah, and ho- hopefully, you know, they haven't bugged the room. And I don't think they have because I've not seen that type of reaction from the team. But it, it's if they could bring this defense back intact, I know there'll be changes, but this, this is a playoff caliber defense. Now, I know you're going to point to the 33 at Dallas, which was more the offense's doing. And, and the Minnesota collapse was everybody. But this, this by and large, this defense has been good enough. The, 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 I wrote about it earlier in the week. The offense is broken. There's no other way to look at it. They keep changing quarterbacks. Quarterbacks don't matter. It just doesn't matter. As much as everyone rightfully has trashed Matt Ryan, the two worst, absolute worst games have been with Sam Ellinger, was it 121 yards, nine sacks, no touchdowns. And with Nick Foles, 173 yards, no touchdowns. And the the Colts own two of the worst six yardage games of the season in the league. The New England game and and the the Chargers game. So this offense is broken beyond repair. And again, only two games to go and they can try – and try to fix it. And I think I saw another stat that the Colts were 0 of 10 on third down in this game against the Chargers. And it's the second time this season they've been 0 for on third down. And across the NFL, there's only like two other games that have been 0 for, 0 for on third down. So the Colts have two of the four. <laughs> it, 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 and again, with Foles and, and, and Ellinger. Right. So, so it, <laughs> when you have to write four or five stories a week, feels like you're piling on and you're trying to find you're always trying to find another stat they had zero receptions of 20 yards against the chargers which is really hard to do that's the first time in 52 games i had to go back to like 2017 with Kobe Brissett. so it's just you know get it over you know and, and, I, and i was looking too it's I, I get so swept up with numbers but they're on pace this is a strange daily double. They're on pace to break the franchise record for most sacks allowed. They've got 56, and the team's record is 62. And what stuns me, they're on pace to break the team record for sacks by the defense. They've got 43, and the Indy record is 46. I I, I find that really hard to believe because when I look at this defense, a strong pass rush is not what I see. I see a decent one. Of course, if you get 11 sacks on the last two games, it helps. But it's just it's just such a quirky season. And as you've talked about, let's just get this thing over with. Get it over with so that you could sign Derek Carr in the offseason. No, please and don't. Please don't. <laughs> that's been one piece of news that we can certainly touch on before we really dive into the Colts, that the, the, uh, the Raiders are, are moving on from Derek Carr. Uh, he has asked for leave from the team, so he's not a distraction and been given it. Is is that weak or, or is that just me? I've been I've been hemming and hawing back and forth. I think it's a little weak because we also experienced earlier this year when Matt Ryan was benched. And what did you do? And he sat there and faced the music and he talked Correct. about it. Like if you do it, like if it happens, and then you just stand there and answer questions one time. Then it's not a distraction anymore. And then if you want to depart so you don't want to be a distraction, fine. I just think that what they what what's the right thing to do is to come out, 
face the music. Hey, I'm disappointed. And, I, and then if you want to go away, go away. But the way Ryan did it, now he didn't talk the second time, which I understand. But come out there and face the music and, and, and sort of, you know, yes, it's the media and that's what we want. But I think it's the right thing to do. And to do it this way, it just doesn't feel right. Yeah, the uh, Joe. What was that. your? Yeah, you. you no, think I, so? I had the same reaction. I mean, it, it. It seems like that's happened a couple times this year. Didn't Mariota do something similar? I know he was. Uh, he had the opinion that he was injured. The coaching staff said it's the same injury he's been playing with all year. We wish he was here. So it's not the first time we've seen a quarterback lose their starting job and then just kind of disassociate themselves from the team. Yeah. So it's been, it's been an interesting year for quarterbacks around the NFL, not just here in Indy, although Indy might, might take the cake when you, uh, when you break it all down and, and analyze every storyline. Definitely top quartile. Yeah, d- definitely the top quartile. Oh, we, we snuck it in. We're less than nine Already. minutes into the Already. podcast. Where, where, where's my bell to ring? Doggone, I wish I had a bell. <laughs> exactly. I, 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 I wish I had a bell to ring. Oh, <laughs> uh, sakes alive. Lord have mercy. Hey, one piece of news this week. Uh, are coming up within the next week. Uh, on Tuesday of this coming week, we are going to find out the 15 finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Our very own Mike Chappell, of course, a voter uh, in the in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And Chad Chap, we were just talking before we get on the air. I think it's a, it would be a good idea to kind of rehash the process for for the fans out there because obviously we'll we'll break down a whole lot more next week about uh, the Colts who are in the top 15, Colts who didn't make the top 15, whatever it might be. But but the process that has to go through from uh, from announcing the semifinalists, which happened ages ago, to now the finalists, and then you break it all down to the to the five Pro Bowl when it is announced on Super Bowl weekend. So where are we right now? What are we expecting next week? Yeah, I mean, just the, the, a quickie on, on the process. We start with like 100-plus. It's basically everybody and anybody that the, the 49 selectors want to put up there. I can put anybody up there. I, I just can. And, and then we cut it to 50. And then we cut it to, I think it was, is it, normally it's 25. It was 28 with ties. And this latest time, we cut to 15. And of those 15, we will have a, our meeting in mid-January, and that's when we will select the uh, class of 2023, which will be five five of the 15, five modern era. So we'll see how the Colts uh, fare in that, in that final most important pairing down. And there are three Colts uh, who, are, who are up for the final 15, whether it's going to be Reggie Wayne, uh, Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis, or some combination of those three, Joe. Certainly all three who, who deserve their name up in the Colts' ring of honor where it is uh, could be Pro Football Hall of Famers uh, in, in about two months, which would, be a, which would be a nice salve for Colts fans after the season has happened as it is. Would you be surprised if all three made it? Like this year, the final 15? I was about to say in the final five, I would. If all yeah, five, yeah but by just the final, final 15, 15 on like, Tuesday. I, I don't think I would be super surprised. Um, it... it that would be a lot from one major team to, yeah. to make it in the final 15. So It almost uh, might work against them in a way, I, I like, think especially so. the two defensive ends, Freeney and Mathis. I think probably only one of them. Yeah, Chap, do you find that uh, from, from the voters? Is there a little bit of team fatigue? You don't want to put too many from one team in, or is it, is it really much a very much open discussion? I, I think that plays into it because then what plays into it is as great as the 2000s were, they won one Super Bowl. And and the team has five members, you know, with with Pulling and Dungey and Peyton and Marvin and and Edger and, and maybe the thinking is, hey, if you guys were that great, why'd you only win one? And I understand that. I I 
I know who the final 15 are, so it's kind of hard to say, well, you never. Jap keeping the lid on it. Th- they will probably get two, and uh, probably two, and, and hopefully, and then again, you just you just keep knocking on the door. I mean, I think it took Edrin six, I think, six years, and this is Reggie's fourth, Freeney's first year of eligibility, and Robert Mathis is second. So you just John Lynch took forever to get in. So it's important just to keep beating on the door, beating on the door. I really thought last year was Reggie's year. I did. I swear to goodness. I was, I was PO'd walking out of that meeting. But, Chap, Andre Johnson just looks like a Hall of Famer. I, I, that's going to be the leadoff. <laughs> if Reggie's one of the two, that's going to be my leadoff of his, his support is I didn't know we were doing swimsuit competitions. <laughs> and if you look at Reggie, it looks like a Hall of Famer. So we'll see. But it's really interesting because, again, what's really interesting is when it's all over, somebody will say, well, this guy should have gotten in. Well, who you want to leave off? No, I don't leave anybody off. No, no, no. You get you get five. So it's really cool, and I think we've got one of the better processes, as flawed as it is. There's 49 of us, and, and we spend eight hours talking and debating and bitching and moaning and, and finally come up with our five, and generally I'm okay with it. Sometimes there's a player or two I don't agree with. Chap, chap wanted to jump through the Zoom screen a year ago and strangle the one voter who uh, who made it a swimsuit competition between Andre Johnson and, and the rest of the field. So. It, it, it's one thing for Calvin Johnson <laughs> to, ju- to jump the line like he did two years ago. I mean, he was he was he 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 looked like a Hall of Famer, and he he was he he was different. Andre Johnson, doggone it, he's. You throw a blanket over him and Reggie and Tory Holt and all that, and it's just – and he jumped the line. He made the final 10, and Reggie and Holt didn't. So now we've gone down the rabbit hole, which – As we always much, do. Which shows you how much importance we're putting on Sunday's game. But I, I, I see back to you. You can, you can take over our, our podcast again. <laughs> what does Hancock Health's membership in the Mayo Clinic Care Network mean for you? It means our independent health network now has access to the knowledge and resources of the world leader in medicine. It means your Hancock Health doctor can now consult with Mayo Clinic specialists to confirm a diagnosis or treatment plan. And it means that together we're making health possible for you. Learn more about our new clinical collaboration at HancockRegional.org front slash Mayo Clinic. Injury report for this week. Colts and Giants, week 17 of the NFL season. Cornerback Isaiah Rogers uh, was placed on injured reserve this week. He has been certainly a bright spot chap on the defense this year, which has been the bright spot on the team overall when you look at the three um, uh, the three main, main groups there, offense, defense, special teams. Um, so, so to lose Isaiah with a couple games left is, uh, is certainly a blow, um, especially with Kenny Moore already out, who has been not practicing yet with his ankle injury, still hasn't see, haven't seen him out of practice at all with that ankle injury which is a little bit of a surprise given the fact that he hasn't been put on injured reserve and he's just taken up a roster spot there and he's kind of hanging out in the locker room right now, sitting around and just haven't seen him out on the practice. You got to figure Kenny's done for the year, right? Like if he doesn't well, yeah, play but, this but, week, but why is he not on IR? I, that, that's, that's the thing. That's Dave's point. I don't get it either. Yeah. But, uh, but now Isaiah Rogers is on IR and, and I, I know that he talked to uh, Stephen Holder of the, of ESPN tweeted out earlier uh, today that, that he had talked to Isaiah and Isaiah said he doesn't need surgery or anything on, on the knee. So this, so that's a good sign that this is not a serious ACL MCL, whatever happened in the giants game. 
Chap, this is just something that, that would take a couple weeks, and the, the Colts don't have a couple weeks anymore this season. Yeah, and maybe if this is week three, maybe you still put him on IR for four games. But, yeah, it, it makes no sense. It, it's similar probably to, to Jonathan Taylor uh, with the ankle where what was, you know, he was going to miss the last three games. So, and, and I understand that there's simply no reason to hurry a guy back when you're 410 and one. That's why it's just so strange what they're doing with Kenny Moore. I don't get it. Maybe he's fighting to play that last game or whatever, but you know, at Kylan Granson, I mean, if, if there's a significant injury, that's going to be a game or two. You put the guy in IR and you, cause, cause then you bring up a roster spot. So you've got people for Sunday. Right. But at the same time, then, like, I, I guess if I'm looking at it the other way, you, if you if you would just deactivate uh, these players anyway, like, you don't need to elevate more people and pay them more money uh, the, to, to put them on the 53-man roster. I, I, that, like, that's a, that's a pittance uh, of, of money when it comes to it. But maybe, I, 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 so, I, so I hesitate to even say that. I, I doubt that that's really a factor. I think if you really want the players, that, that, that's not really too much of an issue that you could, like, you'd have to iron out a few more spots on the 53-man roster for that. Yeah, because keep in mind, you know, a lot of times with, it, it, back in the past before practice squads expanded, you know, missing players who were who were injured short term, th- then your your practices were were you, they were short people, but now you've got fifty three plus what is it sixteen, so it, it's not as big of a deal, and you can elevate, what two or three what, what, what I don't know what the practice squad for game day is, so it, you're going to inactivate, you know x number of players anyway, so it's not a big of an issue to where you need roster spots to, to run your team. So it's not that big of a deal. Again, it's just like in a situation with Kenny Moore, I just don't understand the rationale. I, I do. I am, Joe, looking forward to seeing a little bit more of Dallas Flowers, I think, on defense. Cause we'll see Brandon Faison get the starters uh, starters role, but but Flowers has showed on special teams how how explosive he can be. And, and after – after so much of the season, he, he, you can't consider him an undrafted rookie anymore. You know, he, he's a full-fledged member of the team at this point. There, there's very little, uh, uh, there, there's there's no excuse for not knowing what you're doing at, at this point. So so now that he, he gets to he gets to be thrown in there, while he has this good base of knowledge, he should have it at least now about what he's doing or what's expected of him out there. Certainly has the athletic, physical tools to be a cornerback in this league. He is big. He is fast. He is strong. Uh, experience was the one thing he didn't have playing at Pittsburgh States. Uh, go Gorillas. Uh, so now I w- w- we'll see what he can do with maybe a little bit more um, more time in the defensive end. Did you yeah, know that? Is... Did you know that or look it up? Did you look? I it up? had to look it up for sure. Uh, now I know it. The Gorillas of Pittsburgh State. No H in Pittsburgh That's State. A pretty cool Pittsburgh, mascot, Kansas. Yes, exactly. Well, it's a, it's a gorilla, isn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, you know. I'm messing around. That's, I mean, what's going to be the gorilla? Maybe a bear? That's a different podcast. But We should ask Mike Leach because he's the one who gave the whole, like, who wins the SEC battle of the mascots? R.I.P. Mike Leach. What, what, a, what a creative and incredible man that was. Sorry, Joe, I interrupted you. Oh, you're fine. Um, what was I even say? Oh, this is the exact situation to be in where you want to get your young guys who may not have the experience out on the field, see if they can kind of develop – um, those those skills to match their exciting traits that they have. So I'm excited to see him as well. Definitely saw him a bit more uh, against the Chargers. I think 
I he think played against the Vikings, too. They had his first defensive snaps of the year in that Vikings game. First snap against the Vikings game. And then I think it was in coverage on the flea flicker to Keenan Allen where he just happened to step out of bounds or else he was going to take that to the house. So definitely a lot of room to grow, but an exciting player that's going to get an opportunity. Maybe just not return kickoffs nine, yard, nine yards deep. He keeps no. doing it. At this point in the season, just go for it. What do you have to lose? Yeah. Mike? The Come offense on. isn't scoring any points. Yeah, but, but then you're making Nick Foles start at like your 13-yard line. It's never a good thing on on the stat sheet where it says, you know, Flowers, 22-yard kickoff return to the 13. <laughs> I mean, that's really hard to do. But, but Chap, at the same time, is there a difference between this offense starting at the 13-yard no. line and this offense starting at the 27-yard line? Minus or the, or the, the 50-yard McLaughlin field goal. Or the, fo- yeah, or the 40. You're right. You're right. How many times have they had great field position? I agree. So yeah, okay. Return the darn thing. <laughs> I, I've won chap over with, with one with one simple question. I love it. Hey, uh, did not participate in the Colts Wednesday practice this week. Uh, Kenny Moore, we've already mentioned, still dealing with the ankle injury. Tight end Kylan Granson, ankle injury. He missed last week's game against the Chargers. Ashton Doolin, after his concussion from that uh, that rough hit from Derwin James this last week, is going to be out for for some time. I doubt he plays this weekend. We'll see though if, if he's practicing on Thursday, Friday. Well, that those injury reports will come out uh, later. You can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. Chap, you want to say something? Did you see Brandon Staley's comments after the game? I did not know that basically the Colts were to blame on that play for putting Ashton in that position. I'm thinking, what, what are you talking about? But, and again, he, 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 I, he wasn't, uh, there'll be no suspension from what I've seen. Uh, and I'll be looking forward to the, to the size of the fine for tar, you know, it's not, it's not targeting in the NFL, but, but for that type of a play. You know, this, these are hits, and I think it was Robert Mathis that posted on Twitter something like, these are the hits that made Colts fans fall in love with Bob Sanders. And he, he's not entirely wrong, but this is a different NFL than when Bob Sanders played, Joe. I know growing up, you, Joe, Bob, Bob Sanders is one of your favorite players here uh, in, in Indiana, and, and oh, I'm yeah. sure you, you can relate to that. To, to, to that sentiment from, from Robert Mathis, that those big hits were something that, that you loved, but the NFL really wants to... To, uh, to avoid what we saw, and that is what, what we saw from Ashton Doolin lying on the ground, like prostate down there, because you knew that, that he got hit. He was more than bells rung. It was, it was a bad scenario. Those are the things that add up and end, end careers. Those are the things that, that impact lives beyond just uh, a week of recovery for a simple whatever sprained ankle. Uh, it's, it's completely different, so... So you can you can hold Robert Mathis's belief that man that's what helped us fall in love with some players in the past, but yet in the present that's not what the league's going to be anymore. Yeah, both can be right at the same time. I mean, as we've gained more information about concussions and head trauma and what causes them and what they lead to, the NFL is trying to take that kind of hit out of the game, as they rightfully should. I mean. Is it fun to watch at the moment? Sure, you might enjoy seeing it at the moment, but it's not worth someone down the road, you know, uh, being the depression that CTE can cause and all these different things. So um, it, 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 10, 15 years ago, that probably been on a top 10 list on ESPN for the biggest hits of the week. Jacked up. You jacked got up. jacked up. Remember exactly. that? Well, well, the week before, you've got, uh, was it Rodney Thomas and Stefan Gilmore? Yep. I mean, the same thing. Yeah, so well, and especially it, it, the Gilmore one. Did you see the Vikings commentators, uh, the, oh. that recording of the local – 
I don't Troy know what Matt. it was, but they were like, toss him out of the game. That's that's the clip they were trashing uh, Matt Hawk as well. Has been has been a, ter- been a terrible kicker, but yeah, I mean, this, you're right. The CTE thing is real, you know, and, and we get a, we get another reminder in Miami with Tua. To where people to are where talking he, about his career might be done. Well, you get you know, I mean, the Troy Aikmans and the Steve Youngs, and the more you get, the easier the easier it is to get the next one, and the next one, and and. You know, I, 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 I'm not on the, the train where it says that his career might be over, but I'm telling you, from a personal standpoint, you've got to wonder what the effects are, the buildup effects are, to concussion after, you know, what he's, he's had two officially and probably three. You know, the worst one I saw was how he reacted to the one that wasn't a reported concussion, where he almost fell down twice. So, but, you know, Dave's exactly right. Back in the day... They celebrated those hits, and now it's going to cost you fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. Well, and it, it, while we're down this rabbit hole, if it was up to me, you wouldn't be able to play a week after getting a concussion. You would automatically just be ruled out the next game because even if you're cleared, the damage of getting two concussions within a seven-day span is just not worth it at all. So I don't know why the NFL allows that, but that's something that I would personally like to see change. I, I remember back in the day, and it's probably been 10, 15 years, in boxing, I remember like in Vegas, if a boxer got knocked out, he didn't box for like the next 90 days minimum. And I, I don't think the NFL ever, will ever go to what you mentioned because they don't want their quarterback or any player. All right, but to, to miss a game if he if he's been cleared, but I I totally understand the the rationale behind that. One more player did not participate in Wednesday's practice, which was a walkthrough. At the end of the day, it was Rodney McLeod, but listed as just rest. So you can expect to see the uh, the veteran safety out this weekend when the Colts take on the Giants. And the Giants' injury report from Wednesday was, if you're a Giants fan, a very encouraging one. Uh, Only Dexter Lawrence did not participate in Wednesday's practice, defensive tackle, but it was just a rest day for him. Other than that, uh, everyone good to go except two players, edge rusher Aziz Ojolari with an ankle injury, but sounded optimistic he'll play on Sunday after being limited on Wednesday. Also limited cornerback Adoree Jackson with a knee injury, but he hasn't played since week 11, so trying to get back into the lineup there. Joe, looking at these players, I mean, um, is a heck of a, a heck of a player. Hang on, let me look real quick, see if you uh, have him. Yeah, you do. You will, we'll talk about him a little bit later, so, so I don't feel like the need to go, go too deep. Uh, into that, but he's a guy that we talked about a couple a uh, couple years ago when uh, when we were talking about first round uh, edge rushers that the Colts could potentially take in some drafts, and, and he's become uh, we, we'll get to him a little bit more later, but he's become a pretty good one for the Giants right now. Yeah, if he's you know if he's healthy, his availability on Sunday will make a big difference because he might be their ed- best edge pass rusher at the current moment. I get they took um, Thibodeau fifth overall, and he's very talented as well, but. Um, in his second year, Ojolari definitely making uh, making his potential show up on the field in results. The Colts are four ten and one. They take on the Giants eight six and one at one o'clock Sunday afternoon, and it will be a New Year's game. Yep, I forgot to look up what channel it was. On. I think it's on CBS four. Uh, here, if we're in central Indiana, I do not think it's a Fox game. I think it's a CBS game, but you guys can correct me if I'm wrong there by looking it up as I just flim flam here for a second. Uh, the Giants clinch a playoff spot with a win over the Colts. And uh, the NFC, 
uh, th- those those teams vying for the playoffs are are all right even with each other. It's the Giants. It's the uh, the Commanders. Uh, the Lions are in the mix. The Packers are trying to work their way back into the mix. Um, the the Panthers aren't out of it for crying out loud right now. CBS. It is on CBS. Okay, good deal. So uh, so it's a it's a heated battle for the postseason. And uh, the Giants are, are in really good a really good spot to make it. Uh, Joe, just just in general, before we get into specifics about this team, I mean, the Giants have, have been one of the surprise teams in the NFL this year. They started off really really well. I think they were seven and three, seven and four. They've hit a few roadblocks since, but nevertheless, for a team that last year was was so disappointing um, with with what they were, there were questions about will Daniel Jones come back? Well, he did come back. He's done pretty well in the first year under Brian Dable. What what a turnaround this franchise has had, and and, and it appears that uh, that that decision to to change head coaches to uh, to the former Bills offensive coordinator has paid off in a hurry for that franchise. Yeah, I don't think anyone expected the Giants' timeline to accelerate this quickly, where they're making the playoffs within Dable's first year as head coach, and this is a team that might still go under a lot of transition this offseason. They did not re-up Jones's fifth-year option, if I'm correct. That's correct. Saquon Barkley, who's basically their entire offense, is a free agent. Do they invest money into the running back position or go elsewhere and choose to not pay him? So there's there's a lot going on with this team, but I think a few of the things that Dable has put into this team is are toughness and discipline. Um, looking over this team here, fewest turnovers – in the NFL with just 15, they don't beat themselves. Um, if you're going to defeat the Giants, they're going to have to do uh, uh, something something above and beyond because they're just going to play good as good disciplined football as this roster will allow. And, Chap, you look over some of the numbers on this team. I mean, they're, they're 20th in the NFL in scoring, so they're in the bottom half. They're in the bottom half of the league in yards. On the defense, they're in the bottom half of the league in points. They're they're close to the bottom in yards allowed total. And even in takeaways, they don't take the ball away that much. They're in the bottom half of the league in takeaways. So the being just being tied for the fewest turnovers in the NFL, your offense committing the fewest stupid mistakes, has the Giants at eight, six, and one and just needing one win to make the playoffs. That that, that stat is so telling, and you juxtapose it for our perspective with what the Colts have done this year. It just puts that how important that stat is in the spotlight doesn't it the Colts they 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 have the most interceptions in the league they had the most lost fumbles in the league and they had the most uh total turnovers and it, it, it that's what it is and they've given up like 96 points on their turnovers it's just crazy it, it's you cannot win in this league when when you're when you're doing what Foles did you, you just, they're not good enough. They're, they're just not. A lot of teams aren't good enough, but these guys clearly aren't good enough. And, and it's it's like, how are they going to mess it up this week? If they don't turn it over, it's going to be somebody jumping off sides. And every penalty they get on offense, it's like a drive killer. Because, again, they, they can't push the ball down the field. But the turnovers, people get tired of it. You know, outside of the final score, there's no better stat then turnovers. I think they're, a minus, they're the worst in the league, minus 14 or 15, whatever it is. I haven't got it in front of me. But those stats, if you, if you look at the top of the turnover differential and the bottom of the differential, you can see who the good teams and the bad teams are. Yeah. It, yeah. 
another thing about this Giants team is they found ways to win close games in the fourth quarter. Um, and, and I think it's starting to I think they're one of the teams where their record is a little better than their team actually is. They've won just one of their past six games. Um, now, a lot of them, you know, they had the tie against Washington. A lot of them are against quality opponents, Minnesota, Philly, Dallas. Even Detroit is making a playoff push as well. So it's not like they've lost, you know. They're not losing to the Texans. They're not losing to the it's Texans. It's not like they've lost to the Colts yet. <laughs> well, yeah, or them too. You're we'll not see. wrong, chap. But, um, but they've won the games that – you know, they were supposed to win this year and a couple that they weren't supposed to win, and it's got them in prime position. So when you look at what the strengths of the Giants are, Joey, you can see it here. They're sixth in the NFL in rushing. They're averaging 4.7 yards per carry. And just like we already touched on, Saquon Barkley is kind of the engine that makes this offense go. Yeah, he, he's really, I mean, probably the front runner or at least one of the front runners for comeback player of the year. It's really been two seasons since we've seen a healthy Saquon Barkley. He had the ACL a couple years ago, tried to return last year, and had a high ankle sprain. And that can really limit your effectiveness and your ability to be on the field. But he's proved in a contract year when he needed to that he's still an elite running back um, when healthy. He's fourth in the NFL in rushing yards with 1,254. Also leads the team in catches with 55, which when he was healthy a couple years ago, boy, he had just a heck of a season where he was running. He got and up to 90 some catches it, one year. It, it was ludicrous. And my fantasy team was very grateful for I think that was the last, my, my last fantasy season, actually, that I'm not playing anymore. Shed a tear for Dave's fantasy team. But uh, Daniel Jones, a quarterback, he's completing 66.5% of his passes. That's a career high, uh, averaging just over 200 yards per game, 13 touchdowns, five interceptions. So that's a good ratio, Joe. But but you're not expecting any any dramatic numbers out of the quarterback position. This is a team like like we've kind of touched on. It's a team that doesn't make stupid mistakes, tries to win the field position battle, and makes plays when it counts in the fourth quarter, relying on Saquon Barkley to wear down the team over time. I think that they're playing right. Yeah, absolutely. And they and they don't have the weapons really out on the outside either for Daniel Jones to lean more on his arm. Um, and, and thus he's run the ball more this year. They've kind of used him, you know, Dable coming from Buffalo, had Josh Allen, Danny Dimes, or as Saquon <laughs> calls him, Vanilla Vic can move around a little bit out there too. He's got 600 rushing yards and five rushing touchdowns this year. So that's something the Colts are going to have to game plan for. And, and as we know, chap, the Colts are historically just fantastic about dealing with running quarterbacks, aren't they? Well, Jalen Hurts, I mean, yeah, he, he won the game. You know that there's going to be four or five plays in a game at key mo moments where he's either going to make the play with his legs or you're going to keep him from doing it. I mean, he's just going to get you four or five first downs because – and they're not scrambles. You know, there may be one or two, but th these are designed runs by him. And it's th this team has been that Jekyll and Hyde defensively to where they play really, really well. And then they just – and then they don't, which is really frustrating. And a quarterback like like Jones really maximizes or exploits your 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 lapses. And Barkley's the kind of guy that that again he you're going to see him what twenty five touches. I don't know. I don't know if he gets to thirty or not. That's a lot. But you get it. We always thought that they do with him a lot. What the Colts like to do with Taylor is get him out in space, get him to the second level. And if you're not careful, eight yards becomes 60 yards. And that's that's the run game and the pass game. 
Yeah, Barkley leads them, in, like I said before, in catches with 55, but Darius Slayton leads them in receiving yards, more than 700 receiving yards. Uh, he's averaging better than 16 yards per catch, which, as Joe points out here in our notes, is the fifth highest in the NFL with players of 20-plus catches. So he gets the ball a good amount. The Giants like to push it downfield toward him. So when he gets sucked up toward the line of scrimmage with Saquon Barkley, they have at least one guy who can hit you over the top. It's not like you said, Joe, a, a plethora of players uh, who are who are offensive weapons for this Giants team. They've traded away a couple guys like Kadarius Toney. Uh, Evan Ingram left the Giants, who's having a great uh, finish to the season in Jacksonville. So they've, they've let some of their weapons go, and uh, and and it's been beneficial to, to them relatively so by being a playoff team and, and, and finding results, finding ways to do it. They're the strength of this Giants team when you look at it overall is on the defensive side of the ball and it's the defensive line. The four guys who make up the defensive line, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, Aziz Ojolari, Kayvon Thibodeau, those are four guys. All of them can get after the quarterback. A couple of them are pro bowlers or former pro bowlers. Uh, several of them are young stars uh, rising in the league on the edge. So so that, that Joe, is a, is a tough group. And for the Colts, who have struggled all year to protect the quarterback, and last year, last week in particular, where they gave up seven sacks and Nick Foles' debut, once again, they're going to go up against one of the best defensive lines in football, and the Colts' offensive line is going to have to meet that challenge. Yeah, there's no, there's no Khalil Mack out there for the Giants. Um, but as a unit, this might be better than what the Chargers had out there. Uh, I think the only one who wasn't chosen in the first round was Ojolari, and he was a second-round pick in 2021. He has four-and-a-half sacks since returning from injury in Week 13, um, so he's really been on a tear. Thibodeau is coming along, like I mentioned, fifth overall pick. He's got two sacks in his last three games. And Dexter Lawrence was named to his first Pro Bowl this year. He leads the team with six and a half, which is pretty impressive from that nose tackle position. I think he's like 340 pounds, something like that. So he's one of those rare guys who's that big and can move that well, similar to a Don Terry Poe, who we saw uh, a few years ago with Kansas City. And then, oh, yeah, they have Leonard Williams, who um, former Pro Bowler, he was named top 100 player of 2022, those lists that come out every year. His stats don't jump off the page at you. I think he only has two sacks this season, but he's just a really high-quality player who um, gets the job done for the Giants. And Dexter Lawrence, six-and-a-half sacks, leads the team. He's a pro bowler this year. I, I wanted to touch on Ojolari because, he, I mean, he has been banged up this year quite a bit. He didn't play in the first two games of the season, then missed weeks five through 12 with uh, with injuries there. But... He's, so that means he has played in two, three, four, five, six games this year. The only game where he has not taken down the quarterback is the first game he played in, in week three. He had zero sacks. Other than that, his other five games, one sack, one sack, two sacks, a half a sack, one sack. So, so Chap, you, you look at a guy like that who's getting to the quarterback every week, week after week. It, it's, it's somebody that the Colts have to pay attention to, and, and he, it appears he will be healthy this week, even though he was limited in practice on Wednesday, sounding optimistic he's going to be good to go. This is going to be a tough challenge for a, a Colts offensive line that has not met challenges adequately this season so far. Yeah, whenever we talk to Jeff Saturday, it's always like, well, you know, it's the offensive line's getting better, and it is. It's it's, but that's on a scale of, of how bad they were early. But it's well, it, well, it's it's one guy here, it's one guy this play, one guy that play, and that's what a defense like this feasts on. Because because if if the right guard ha has a bad play, he's going to get beat, and there's going to be pressure. And Bernard Ryman, who I think is really playing better, but he still has three or four plays where he gets beat. 
And when it's you know, if you put together five players and they and they all have a bad play, and a couple of them have three or four bad plays, all of a sudden that's fifteen bad plays. So it's again, you would like to think, well, this is the week they're going to get their act together. But but why would you anticipate that? This is it's the old thing is they are who we thought they were. They've shown us for fifteen games who they are, and when you face a team that's got playoffs on the line and a, and a strong defensive front it's just it's just not a good matchup not that I not that I think I can I can come up with a good matchup yeah yeah I, go ahead Joe I'll be looking forward to seeing Ryman versus Ojolari I believe Thibodeau usually lines up on the offense's right side so uh left tackle there facing Ojolari who's a speed player if, if you guys listen to our draft previews from years ago is a little more undersized, but he has that speed, kind of a Robert Mathis-like pass rusher in that style. And then speaking to Ryman improving as of late, I saw a tweet a couple days ago, retweeted it from our Colts Blue Zone account. Follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. But it says, per pro football focus, Ryman is the number seven graded offensive tackle in the NFL since week 12. He's allowed just nine pressures during those weeks. The problem, as Mike said, is, when his mistakes do come, they're usually costly, as is the case with that left tackle position. So that'll be a key matchup to watch. Ryman versus Ojolari, two young players trying to get their footing in the NFL. So keys to the game as the Colts take on the Giants this weekend. New Year's Day, 1 p.m. kickoff, broadcast in central Indiana on CBS4. Joe, you always come uh, on fire with your keys to the game. I love your first one, so why don't you describe it to uh, to the fine folks out there still listening mercifully to this Colts Blue Zone podcast. All right, you're going to have to focus because this is going to get a bit complex here. Score a touchdown. Preferably multiple touchdowns, but at least one touchdown. We'll, we'll start. We'll start with one. Baby, we'll take st- it. We'll start with one. One would be an improvement over Monday when Indy failed to score a touchdown for the fourth time this season. As Mike noted in his article online on Fox59.com, it's the first time since 1993, the year I was born, that the Colts didn't score a touchdown in four plus games. Indianapolis has just six offensive touchdowns over their last five games. So score a touchdown, hopefully two or three touchdowns. Um, but that's, that's, that's as simple as it comes. Put the ball in the end zone. The Colts have not scored. Have, as you point out, the Colts scored six offensive touchdowns in the last five games. The Vikings scored five offensive touchdowns in the second half uh, against them. You know, these are the stats that, that just make you bang your head against the table. That's why we um, um, kind of lingered at the beginning of the episode from talking about the game for so long because it's, yeah. it, it's a bit painful. But you know what? You got you to gotta face the music at some point. So that, that's the first thing. Score the touchdown. Second thing would be establish the run. The Colts ran just 14 times Monday for 69 yards against the 31st-ranked run defense in the Chargers heading into that week. Don't understand that game plan at all. Giants are allowing NFL worst four or 5.4 yards per carry. Don't ask Nick Foles to win the game for you. Run the football. What, what happened to Deion Jackson? He's a guy who's ran really hard this year, has looked pretty good at times, and yet he, he was almost nowhere to be found on Monday. I think this is an important distinction to make. And, and if you're listening, uh, these next five minutes maybe are going to be uh, – Maybe a, 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 an important part of this podcast. Um, like when when I say when I said earlier today uh, on this pod that uh, the Colts' offense was abysmal, I think that is 
less than 50% on Colts players. So when you hear me say something like this, like when Colts offense was abysmal this past week, like the vast majority of that blame, and maybe I should have been more specific earlier, goes on the offensive staff. Because for the reason that you just said, Joe, this was one of the worst rushing defenses in the league. The Colts were averaging better than four yards, closer to five yards per carry against them. They just didn't get the chance to keep running the ball because I think Parks Frazier is an inexperienced play caller who is not sticking to things that work. He's trying to make things happen. He's trying to get some bigger plays here and there, which I understand you need big plays to win the game. But at the same time, you have something that's working a little bit and it's not sexy. It's not dynamic, but look at the new, look at the New York giants. This is a perfect example. Look at the New York giants. They are running the ball. They're doing so efficiently they're not hitting big plays too often. When they do, they're effective, like I mentioned earlier with, with Slayton and averaging 16 yards per catch. But they're sticking to what's working for them. And they're 8-6-1 and one because of that. The Colts are 4-9, whatever they are now. I, I, I can't keep track. But I, I think that's an important distinction to make. That, Like I said, when I say, hey, the Colts were, were abysmal this last week, I don't want you all to think out there that I'm ripping the players because because that is not my intention. Um, I think that the offensive staff, which is certainly not at full strength in the coaching room, like they've lost guys there, Frank Reich and Marcus Brady, who are chief architects of this offense. So I'm not saying it's easy for them. Clayton Adams. Clayton Adams, too, as well, who left for a for a college job in the middle of the season. It's, I'm not saying it's easy for them, but I am saying they're, saying they're not succeeding at what they're trying to do. And one of the big reasons it is that they that they don't or can't stick with it is 0-10 on third downs. I mean, it's just – you can't you – know, it's obvious you can't sustain things when you can't move the chains. 0-14 at, at New England, they're 33% on third downs this season. And that's it. You just can't play offense if you can't. Converting and not all these are three are, are third and thirteens. There have been some third and threes and third and fours and goodness there was another fourth and one. So neither Ryan nor Foles can convert fourth and fourth and one. But I, it would help immensely to, to to be able to run the ball to stick with the run game if you just convert on third and whatever. But but you're right they they do they, they do show signs of being able to run the ball at least at least somewhat efficiently and they just don't do it enough my next uh one out is pretty obvious and we've spoke to it a little bit so i'll blow through it to get to the final takeaway but or key to the game avoid turnovers falls through three monday no team takes better care of the football than the giants with just 15 turnovers all the year they're not going to beat themselves they're going to make you uh so neither can you you got to take care of the football and play a similar style to the giants if you're going to win because there's a decent chance the Colts will have the ability to win in the fourth quarter. The Giants have not been blowing teams out. In fact, all eight of their wins have been one-score games this year. So if the Colts get beat by multiple scores, it'll be the first time the Giants have done that all season. Uh, The Giants' average point differential in wins is just five. The average point differential in losses is ten. I believe on the season they have a negative point differential, which is – Somewhat uncommon of a team who's about to make the playoffs and has a winning record. I believe Minnesota, I believe Minnesota had a negative point differential before they played the Colts. 
I think you're right. Yes, the, I think Minnesota is setting the record for the most one-score wins. I think they yes. are. They 11 and 0 now. It, yes. it might be. It was at yes. least 10. It's yeah. 11. All-time all record. All-time record. So, so the, it just kind of shows you it, what you do in the fourth quarter can completely um, change your season. The Colts have been uh, abysmal in the fourth quarter over the past five games. They've been outscored 83 to three during that final final quartile of the game. Um, This podcast brought to you by the words quartile and abysmal. So win in the fourth quarter because if this game goes anything like the rest of the Giants games this season, the Colts are going to have an opportunity late in the game. The story of Hancock Health is all about you and everything you need to live your healthiest life. Like Hancock Regional, one of the nation's safest hospitals. And an independent health network with over 70 doctors at more than 30 locations around East Central Indiana. We're growing and evolving to help further your story. And we're just getting started. See all the ways Hancock Health and you can work together to make health possible at HancockHealth.org. FanDuel has the Giants listed as five and a half point favorites in this game. The over-under is 38.5 as we sit here right now. That's a sub-40 over-under. That means the uh, powers that be are not too optimistic that we'll see too many points on the field at uh, at MetLife. Well, at least combined too uh, too many points. Good point. Good point. Tremendous point. So they're expecting something along the lines of a, what is it, like 21 to 16 ball game, right around that range, uh, which, hey, the, the Colts, that's, that's about their average. 21 to 16 sounds like a pretty good, a pretty good estimate right now. Um, so we'll, we'll get to our predictions. Uh, I'll go first. Joe goes second. Chap goes third. Um, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll change it up a little bit from 20 to 16 uh, just to, to, be, uh, to be a little bit different. But I think... I think a, I think I'll take the under just because uh, because why not? Because, uh, because the Colts are involved. Exactly. I'll I'll go I'll go a little off kilter. I'll go a nineteen to ten uh, ball game. I'll give them a, a strange a strange number there. We've had one of those this year. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. Well, I'm predicting another one. It got, so. the, quor- it got the quarterback benched. Yes, yes, it did. So nineteen to ten Giants uh, Giants uh, solidify themselves uh, in the playoffs. Colts head into the last week of the season, uh, perhaps playing for the second overall draft pick, which is as high as they can go. But 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 uh, that would take uh, quite a bit of work for them to get all the way up there with a couple of other teams losing out uh, and I mean winning out and the Colts uh, Colts themselves losing out. It'll be anywhere between that second pick and about the sixth, the seventh pick, it looks like right now. But we can talk about that more as, as yeah. we get a little bit closer. I would like to issue that correction. I was mistaken on Tuesday when I said the Colts could get up to the first pick if they lose out and Houston wins out. Uh, Head-to-head does not matter for draft order. It is strength of schedule, and Houston had an easier schedule than the Colts this year. So, like you said, Dave, the highest they can get is number two, Bears and Broncos slash Seahawks ahead of them, uh, as well as the Cardinals at four, which might be their most likely to get up to that four spot. But anyway, there's a football game to be played. There is? I'm predicting 24-13. to I think I think the Colts score one touchdown. Hey, one of the keys to the game is that what you had. Chaps Mike? holding uh, up his number. You're you're that kid in 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 ninth grade who kept looking over my damn shoulder and <laughs> co- copying. Your my shoulders stuff. aren't even here, Mike. 
<laughs> yeah, tw- I got 24 to 13. I think um, Nick Foles is going to have a couple more turnovers, and they're going to cost this team lead to points. I think the defense will put forward another valiant effort and make a couple plays out there, but unless it's a pick six or unless it's another punt block for a touchdown or something like that, I don't see the Colts scoring enough points to win this game. Chap, what do you got? I got 24-13. I'm giving the Colts their one touchdown and three McLaughlin field goals. That's not two touchdowns and a miss extra point. I I just – they've numbed to the fact that they can score. And you can't win in this league if you can't score. And I think, again, the defense will play well. I think Barkley gets loose for a couple of plays. But it's going to be the same thing. I think they take it in the fourth quarter. I really do. I think think anyone who thinks this team is purposely tanking is wrong. They're tanking because they're not good enough. And and I I think think the defense will play another strong game. And at some point, they'll just make a couple of bad plays to where it gets them beat 24-13. And I feel good about it. If, if there is one person in the building who is tanking, it's Jim Ursay. No, nobody in the locker room is tanking. We'll, we'll say that. And, and the decisions, certain decisions that have been made have been not by uh, the head coach or the general manager. They've been from the owner, like which quarterback is going to start here and there. So if there is one person who is trying to make the Colts tank, it's not anybody who's in the locker room on a daily basis. That's all I'll yeah. say about that. Uh, that, 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 that. That's another podcast we could have. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it'd go for longer than 60 minutes. Yes, it would. No kidding. Yeah. Um, we all predicted something to happen, which has not happened this year in the Giants winning by multiple scores. So we'll see if they're able to uh, get a blowout by their standards on New Year's Day. All, all of us have that much faith in the Colts <laughs> to, uh, to deliver the Giants their first double uh, yeah, two-score victory. Something that uh, I was closest. I said nineteen to ten. Only nine points. They do it by one point. They get that ninth. Yes, the nineteen to ten. Something that will be exciting for Colts fans to watch as we look forward. New Year's Eve. C.J. Stroud, quarterback of the uh, Ohio State Buckeyes, will be playing in the college football playoffs. Potentially the next quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts. As we inch closer and closer to my favorite time of the year. Draft season. So. I saw Pro Football Focus's college account tweet out like a the the, the mock draft already. The chap loves the mock drafts that we do through Pro Football Focus. Like giving giving C.J. Stroud to the Raiders at six. I was like, there's no way C.J. Stroud's going to last to six. There's not a chance unless no. I, I was going to say unless somebody else besides Chris Ballard's GM. No, there, there's no chance he gets past Indy. Yeah. No. Yeah. Hard no. They got him, Levis, maybe Indy likes Levis. Who knows? I think who'd they everyone. Have, who'd, they have the, who'd they have the Colts taking? I don't know. It was just it was just since the Raiders like got rid of Carr, okay. like they just did did the one player in the first round. So they they didn't have the full one through six. Gotcha. Yeah, I think everyone's pretty set on Bryce Young going number one to Houston there. And that then seems it, the consensus right now. We'll see if that changes. Yeah, I mean, draft season it gets a little can, wild. Yeah. The nitpicking every player until they seem like they should go undrafted. So we'll see. We do appreciate you listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. If you made it all the way to the end here, well, I salute you. For Joe Hopkins and Mike Chappell, I'm Dave Griffiths. You can follow us all on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>